0: Head the stage. I fought this all my life, the bloodshed like never before. But I finally see your face—it's just a mirror's looking back at me, and my reflection is. All- Too high. I can feel your presence, but I've been waging war since you fell from the heavens. I fought this every night, it feels like I've already been here before. When I look into your eyes, and my reflection looking back at me,
1: Where we are talking about um, spiritual warfare, and we're talking about the reality that there is a Satan, and that Satan wants to take you off your game. Satan wants to take things away from you, and God has amazing plans for you. We thought that'd be a great way to start the day. Now, I do have a question for you, and if anybody gets this, no one in the first service got it. Anybody know who the artist was on that song? All right, yeah, Papa Roach. Nobody knows that because who listens to that because that's a weird name. But some people really like that. Um, But anyways, it's a great song to get in at the beginning of the day to start talking, bringing up this idea. Now, I've got a couple of announcements for you. My name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you that are online watching, welcome. Thank you for being here. We're glad that you are sharing in this time with us, and we hope it's a blessing to you. I've got a few announcements for you before we move on with the day. First off, if you are new here, joining us online, or here for the first time or two here, on a Sunday morning. Um, we'd love to know. We'd love to get to know you and we'd love for you to get to know us. The easiest way to do that is to text the word new to this number. It's 407- We would love for you to put that in your phone because that's one of the easiest and quickest ways to get connected with us on a regular basis. But if you're new, text that word to that number and we will get you on our e-blast, let you know what's coming up and you can be connected with us and we know what's going on. We can let you know what's going on around here. I've got a couple things I'd like to cover um, before we move on. First is, uh, next Sunday, after both services, we're doing what we're calling Discovering Kensington. If you're new here, newer, and would like to know our mission, vision, values, and strategy, I'd like to invite you for about 15, 20 minutes after both services to a room right over here on the side of the uh, theater here. And I'd love to meet with you um, and just do uh, share with you those things and then do a little bit of Q&A and get to know you a little bit. So that's next Sunday after both services. We'd like to invite you to that. Um, after that, uh, let me hear from you ladies in the room, loud and proud. Yeah, so we have the easiest Christmas party ever coming up. It is December third, from six to nine p.m. at our ministry facility. The two four six is what we call it. It's in Winter Garden. It's the easiest Christmas party ever because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to bring cookies. You don't have to bring a gift to exchange. Just show up, get to know some people, hang out with some of the coolest ladies in the area, and we are even going to be providing dinner for you. So it'll be a great time of just hanging out and getting to know some new people. Now, um, as far as our events go, um, there's an easy way to get to know um, all the stuff that's going on around here it's kensingtonorlando.org slash events it shows you everything that's coming up now another thing is coming up Thursday is known for eating turkey but it's also known for what else is going to happen on Thursday Football, that's right. It's a big football day. Do they have, I think it's three games are going on that day? It's a big deal. We love it. Well, not only are we going to be watching football on Thursday, our middle school and high school students are having our annual Turkey Bowl. It is a seven on seven flag football tournament that's happening at 830 in the morning at Veterans Park in Winter Garden. There are prizes. There is a trophy. It is a big deal. I want to invite all of you middle and high school students out to be a part of the Turkey Bowl on Thursday morning. Now, last thing I got for you with that number I was talking about earlier, it's a big deal. Um, If you take that number and you text any one of these words, if you're interested in anything that is up on this screen, if you're interested in our our men's ministry, text men. We'll get you all the information. If you need help with paying bills, putting food on the table, um, uh, you know, just things have been difficult or you need prayer for anything, um, you text the word care and we would love to jump in and help you or help anybody that you know. If you want to volunteer, if you want to join our recovery ministry, celebrate recovery, or if you you're interested in life groups or women's ministry, text any one of those words to that number, and uh, we would love to connect with you. Now, um, for those of you that have been very, very faithful in your giving throughout this entire coronavirus time, and you're talking like eight, nine months. I want to say thank you to you. You have allowed us to continue to keep the lights on. You've allowed us to give thousands of dollars away in helping families that are in need. And I want to thank you for that. You've you've kept us afloat this entire time. And so I want to let those of you that might not be giving yet, but you're really feeling like God's kind of nudging you and you want to jump in and and, uh, give financially, there's really easy three ways to do it. First is on our website. It's kensingtonorlando.org slash giving. You can give right there. It's secure. Um, you can give on our app, the MyWell Giving app. And you can also give in um, the boxes on your way out. You can put your offering and your tithes right in there. And I just want to thank you in advance for being a part of what we're doing and believing in the vision and the mission that we're on um, and being willing to jump in in that way. All right, so as I said at the top of the day, we are in a series called Battle Ready about spiritual warfare. We're in week four. Um, today, is, uh, is ta- we're talking about the shield of faith. You get the privilege to hear from our very own Clint Ettinger. Um, he's going to be talking. Give him a hand. We're really excited about hearing from him. He's got a great message planned for you. And again, it is all about the shield of faith. Carbon polymer should withstand your average German bayonet. Well, uh... I'm just not gonna attack you with a pocket knife. I hear you're uh, kind of attached. It's handier than you might think. I took the liberty of coming up with some options. This one's fun. She's been fitted with electrical relays that allow you to. What about this one? No, no, that's just a prototype. What's it made of? Vibranium is stronger than steel and a third the weight. It's completely vibration absorbent. How come it's not a standard issue? That's the rarest metal on earth. What you're holding there, that's all we've got.
2: You're quite finished, Mr. Stark. I'm sure the captain has some unfinished business.
1: What do you
0: think?
2: Yes, I think it works.
0: Some ideas about the uniform.
2: Whatever you want, pal.
3: Well, good morning, guys welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for joining us in the room. My name is Clint Ettinger. I am the pastor of Family Ministries here at Kensington. Super excited to get to be here and speak with you this morning. Uh, Like Kevin said, we are in the middle of this series called Battle Ready, and we've been talking about the armor of God and what that means for our lives and what that looks like. And so we've talked about a few things in this series already. We've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness and we've talked about the shoes of peace. And so we're going to get into the next piece of this armor this morning. But before we get there, I wanted to ask a question just real quick. Um, has anybody here ever experienced any kind of temptation in your life before? Anybody ever experienced anything like that? Okay, a few of you guys. Some of you guys have never experienced that. That's okay. That's right. I know you're awesome, um, Travis. Um, so, anyways, we've all sort of experienced some temptation uh, every now and then. And, um, currently, me and Kevin Valentine, we've started this 12-week sort of fitness weight loss challenge to ourselves. We have some goals. We're trying to lose 20 pounds in 12 weeks, and so far, we're both on track, which has been really cool. Um, and it's been it's been really nice to sort of see some of that weight come off, and But it hasn't been easy. It has not been an easy road at all. Um, One of the things that I've had to do is sort of change the way I think about food and like the ways that I typically consume food. Um, So for me, I'm a big like second helping guy, you know, at dinner. Like ever since I was a kid, I'm always going back for a second plate. Um, I'm trying to sort of start to limit the amount of stuff that I eat in one sitting, trying to eat better, you know, do that kind of stuff. And uh, in particular, I have this one temptation when it comes to food that has become like part of my routine, but I'm really having to battle against it, and that is my 10 o'clock bowl of ice cream, all right? I have a four-year-old daughter who I try not to eat ice cream in front of because usually she can't have it. Um, (laughs) We don't just give her ice cream all the time, and so she goes to bed at like 8.30. My wife, Kirsten, sometimes go to bed at like 9, 9 9.30, and so 10 o'clock rolls around, and often I'm kind of up by myself, and I turn on my favorite show that I'm currently watching on Hulu or Netflix, and I get my bowl, and I go to the freezer, and I scoop out a nice bowl of ice cream, and I just sit there for like another half hour, 45 minutes before I go to sleep, just enjoying this lovely bowl of ice cream, right? And it's one of my favorite things. I love having that sort of late night treat, but honestly, that, you know, three to 400 calories of sugar and cream right before I go to bed is not great for my weight loss goals. So that has been a serious temptation for me. I have had to like really struggle... There's an internal battle that comes along. I've sent myself to bed early sometimes just so I won't think about it, right? Like I'm doing all these things to try and avoid this temptation. Um, but it's yeah, it's like a struggle to go back and forth. Eat the bowl. No, don't get it. Yes, you deserve ice cream. No, no, you don't. You know, like it's this struggle. And I think a lot of us face temptation in different ways. We've all experienced something like this. And so we actually found a, a really awesome video that I think illustrates this point perfectly. So I want you guys to take a look at this.
1: You can wait,
3: okay? I'll be back, stay in the chair, okay? You need him. <laughs> oh, um, don't tell Kevin. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. So, I think that uh, you guys probably identified with some of those kids that you saw on that video, right? The reality is we've all been in that situation before. You can see on those kids' faces what they're dealing with internally, right? They're looking at the marshmallow. They're like, eat it. Don't eat it. No, I can't do it. If I wait, I can have one more. Oh, but I really want it, right? One kid's like smelling it. He's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just smell it. I'll just smell the marshmallow. I just want to touch it. Let me see. Ah, oh, touch it, you know? And they're going on this, they have this back and forth going on inside them. Maybe just a little taste. Maybe if I just pick a little bit off, they'll still give me another marshmallow, right? Let me just taste a little bit. My favorite was the girl who like ate all around it and put like an apple core of a marshmallow like back on the plate. Like, nah, nah, I'll definitely still get the other one, right? And, and I think we all do that. Maybe some of them didn't trust her that she was going to bring them another marshmallow. Like the one girl was just like, I don't care if you're bringing me another one. I'm eating this one now. Like I have one marshmallow now, I'm eating that one, Right? And we all go through these times where we battle temptation in our our own ways. And the truth is, is that we have an enemy who is trying to take us down and out. The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have spent the past few weeks talking about this armor of God. And we have done that because the reality is that what we see with our eyes is not all there is. We are not just flesh and blood, and we don't just struggle against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual world, and there are spiritual realities. The church is not just some self-help positive think group. We believe that there are radical spiritual elements in life, and that when we close our eyes and, and our life ends, that it doesn't just end here right that there's more to life than just what we see and there is a real enemy trying his best to separate us from god and to break that relationship to distort and corrupt things that god has made good to overpromise and underdeliver The enemy is shooting flaming arrows at us and trying to get us to trade things. He's shooting flaming arrows and trying to get you to trade real intimacy for pornography. He's shooting flaming arrows at you trying to get you to trade real peace for an inflated bank account. He's shooting arrows at you trying to get you to trade real joy for a temporary high. He's shooting flaming arrows at you trying to get you to trade um, real fulfillment for endless entertainment options. Satan is shooting these temptations our way because he wants us to trade life-giving, eternal things for fleeting, temporary substitutes so that we'll keep chasing those substitutes and never concern ourselves with what really matters. And so we need something to protect us when we are tempted in the many different ways that we can be, we are under attack and Satan is trying to get us to choose sin. He is trying to get us to choose the way that leads to death. And so in this battle, we need a shield. We need something that we can put in front of us to protect us. And the book of Ephesians calls this shield the shield of faith. And so we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared And let's hone in on this last piece here. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, the guy who wrote this, his name was Paul. And Paul lived in in first century Rome and and, uh, all over. Actually, because he was a missionary, he traveled all over the place. But he grew up where Rome was the empire, right? Like everybody was living under Roman rule. And so Paul would have been very familiar with a Roman soldier and what they looked like. And Paul would have known what their armor looked like. And so when he's describing armor, that's the visual that he would have had in his head as he was writing it. And so this Roman shield that we are going to put a picture up here, I want you guys to take a good look at what this Roman shield looks like. It is a shield that would have been about three or four feet tall. It's a really, really big shield, right? It's kind of square, but it had rounded edges. It was really, really good at like deflecting things. If people were coming in from the side or arrows, really good at deflecting those. And as a matter of fact, Romans were really, really good at putting their shields right next to each other and creating like almost this wall, right? Um, They would have these formations where they could advance with their shields up, and it was like they were an impenetrable force. They would have some guys in the front, some guys putting the shields over top, so they had like a wall around them and then like a roof over the top. So when they're marching into battle and the enemy's just firing, lobbing just tons and tons of arrows at them, they have a lot of protection and they wouldn't get hurt that way, right? And so this this shield, a lot of times they would also cover it in leather and soak it with water before battle. Why would you do that? That sounds weird. Because back in the day, people used to take arrows and light them on fire before they shot them at you, right? <laughs> like, kind of crazy. And so if you have a, a arrow that's on fire and a shield that's made of wood, what happens when wood meets fire? It burns, right? That's not good. That's going to ruin your shield. So they would cover it in leather and then soak that down with water so that when a fiery arrow hit it, it would literally extinguish the fire. And so that's kind of the shield That Paul has in his mind. And he calls it the shield of faith. So it is this shield of faith that can protect us, which begs the question, what does it really mean to have faith? Like what kind of faith is Paul talking about here, if that's what the shield is? Well, faith is a pretty common word in our cultural context. We use it a lot, um, but I think most often it is associated with the word belief, right? Like, if somebody asks you, do you have faith, or what is your faith, or something like that, what they're asking you is, what is your religious belief system, right? If they ask you about your faith, they're saying, what do you believe in that's, you know, sort of beyond our world? Like, what what are the things that you believe in? Um, As a matter of fact, we call our religious belief system the Christian faith, right? It's it's our belief system. Or uh, if you're telling somebody, hey, you can do it, I have faith in you, Right? What you're saying is, I believe in your ability to go get done whatever needs to be done. I believe in you, right? So it's really attached to belief. But it left me kind of wondering, like, is that it? Is it really just if you believe correctly or believe hard enough, then all of a sudden you're protected from the enemy's attacks? All of our temptations just disappear if we just believe, right? See, I think there's a little bit more. To this faith than just that. So, we're gonna take a look at a couple other spots in Scripture to help us really kind of define what this faith looks like and what this faith means. The first place we're gonna look is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It has a really good definition. This is what it says Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. I, I, that's, I love that definition. It, the, the defini- that definition in Hebrews shows action, right? It says that faith is literally revealing reality, right? It, it shows reality of what we hope for. It, it's almost tangible, this faith that Hebrews is describing, right? Because it uses the words reality and evidence, like almost things that you can hold in your hands. Is kind of how it's describing it. So it's this really like tangible, actionable word is how it describes faith. In, in the same chapter later on, It says that it's impossible to please God without faith or to go in the direction that he has designed for you to go, to please God. So this sort of makes faith, it sort of seems to be connected with action, right? Saying that it's without this faith, you can't please God, that it's the reality of things, it shows evidence, it's it's almost action-based. And so I started to think, what is sort of the action form of faith? And what I'd like us to think about this morning is I think the action form of faith is trust. Trust is what causes us to act upon something, right? When we really trust something, we will actually act upon it. As a matter of fact, you are all living examples this morning because all of you are seated. And so every single one of you came in here this morning and you opened up a chair and you sat down in it and you trusted that it would hold you up. And with movie theater seats, that's even more weird because it's not like they have like four legs. Like to me, four legs make sense, right? You have like these four stable spots. Movie theater seats, like you put down the front and there's like nothing in the front holding it. It's like you're kind of suspended in air, right? Like you guys really trusted those seats this morning. And you trusted, so you sat. If you didn't trust that it would hold you up, you wouldn't have sat down. There is action involved in that. So let's look at one more verse to kind of help us round, round out this definition of faith. And this next piece is from uh, the same book of Ephesians where it talks about the armor, but it's a little bit earlier on in chapter 2, Start in verse 8 and 9 here. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So so this verse is talking about salvation. It says it comes through faith and not by works. So salvation comes through trusting in God, but then God is the one who does the saving work. God is the one who saves. Our faith is the activator, but it's God's faithfulness and his grace that saves. So what does this mean for our shield of faith? I think this morning God wants us to know that just sort of mustering up some sort of blind belief is not what's going to help us when we are in the middle of a battle of temptation. When we're facing that temptation to slide into the DMs of our coworker or an old girlfriend, or we're in the middle of temptation to take a little bit of extra money, nobody's going to know or we're in the middle of that temptation to not forgive them yet because they just don't deserve it. When we're facing that temptation, it's not just believing harder that's going to get us through that. When the enemy is trying to get us to sin, or, or as Kevin puts it, and I really like this definition of sin, trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, when Satan's tempting us towards that, it is our total trust in God's faithfulness that will protect us. That's what the shield is. Our ability to believe isn't the shield. It doesn't just all depend on us. God's faithfulness, the fact that he will come through every time and in every situation, that is the shield. It is our total trust in God's faithfulness, which is what protects us. But, like the verse says, you have to pick it up. It's funny because the other pieces of armor in that verse are already on, right? It says to wear them. You, just, you have them on. But the shield is something that we have to pick it up. Your trust in who God is, is is how you start to pick up that shield. It's our trust in God's faithfulness to meet our needs that looks at cheap satisfaction and says, God has a better way. It's that trust that looks at your struggling finances and says, God is the provider, and I don't have to take shortcuts. For me, it's that trust that says, God's going to show up in my marriage, and I don't need another person's attention or a screen to satisfy me. It's that trust that says, I know I'm not in a great place right now, but God is going to come through, and I don't need another drink to feel okay. That's what the shield does. It's our first line of defense. It can deflect all those temptations and untruths that the enemy loves to throw at us. It protects us from breaking relationship with the only one who can give us true, meaningful life. All right, so how do we use it? I mean, how do we really pick up this shield and defend ourselves with it? Well, step one is you have to step across that line of faith and trust Jesus with your whole life, like this life and the next one. That's step one. If you haven't made that first step of trusting Jesus and who he said he was, trusting that in him is forgiveness and life and salvation, then that's your first step. It is through faith that we are saved. Then God gives us grace and through Jesus' sacrifice, puts us in right standing with him. And if you don't take that first step of faith and trust Jesus with everything that you are, you got no chance at picking up that shield. So that's step one. Step two is to truly know God's faithfulness, to truly know it. And there's a couple ways we get there one is through God's word. The Bible is filled with stories of God being faithful to the promises he made to his people, showing up time and time again, just when it all seems it can't be helped. God steps in and fulfills his promise. God's faithfulness is all throughout scripture. And we have to start knowing those stories and reading that. And I would say, Also, that God's character is in there. Knowing who God is, his character is all through there. And we have to start memorizing it. Yes, I'm encouraging you to memorize the Bible. I know, nobody ever asked you that. Memorize scripture. Why is that important? Because if I'm walking along the street and all of a sudden arrows of temptation start raining down upon me, I don't want to be like, oh no, I got to go back home. I left my shield, right? I can't, what if I don't have my shield with me? Oh, no, arrows of temptation. Let me run back to my car. I know I left my shield in there. Oh, hold on, Satan. I got my shield on my phone. Let me just pull it out real quick, right? We can't can't risk that. We want to have our shield strapped to our arm, ready to go. And so in order to do that, you need to have that stuff memorized, right? Like for me, a temptation is to be quick to anger and hold things against people. Somebody offends me, and all of a sudden I get this anger built up. But God's word says to be quick to forgive as he is forgiven. And so when Satan's trying to shoot an arrow at me and somebody cuts me off or or somebody does something or my daughter's like driving me nuts, (laughs) then that scripture comes up, be quick to forgive as I have forgiven you. Boom, I protect myself. The other way is through experience. To truly know God's faithfulness is to live it. It's to trust and put the full weight of your needs, your desires, and difficulties in God's hands. Uh, before Kirsten and I moved down here, it's like we're like a year and a half. It's crazy it's been that long. Um, we were in Alabama, and before we moved here, honestly, things got kind of like just rough in our lives. Um Around like late January, early February, uh, my wife, Kirsten, came to me. She's a teacher. She's been teaching her pretty much her whole career. And um, she came to me, and she was at a a tough school, you know, a low-income school, and she was having a rough year, and she was battling it out, battling it out. And uh, I just remember she came home one day, and we were eating dinner, and she just looks across the table at me, and she just says, like, I can't do it anymore. I just cannot get up another morning and go there. Like, she was in a really, really tough place. She was really, like, it was a huge battle for her to just get out of bed in the mornings. And she just said, like, I can't go. Now, I'm a youth pastor, and my wife is an elementary school teacher. So, like, a lot of money is not something we typically come by. So, the concept of, like, leaving a job early and not getting that paycheck is, like, kind of daunting, but I knew that's what she needed, so I was like, quit if you need to quit. And so she put in her resignation, and she quit like two months early. And then the summer is going to come after, up after that, and we I already knew that we were going to be moving soon, like we weren't going to be in Alabama much longer. Orlando wasn't necessary. like we knew we were coming to Orlando, but I didn't have a job down here, we just knew we were going to be moving and so now I was like, all right, we got to really tighten down on the budget because we are not going to have a lot of money and we need to move. Like, this is happening. So we trimmed and took out what we could and just tried to make this budget work. And, you know, we were like ramen, eggs, and peanut butter kind of diet, you know, like just trying to make every every penny last. And the temptation for me in those moments is to tighten up financially. And by tighten up financially, I mean keep it all to myself, right? Like, I'm not spending anything on anybody. The church ain't getting no money. Nobody's getting any money. Don't come near me, right? My money. (laughs) Because I get scared. I get worried. I'm the one who, like, does the bills and balances the checkbook. Not that I use a checkbook, but, like, you know, make sure we got money in the bank. And so worry strikes me, and I stop being generous. I stop tithing, and I start, like, being really just stressed out and worried, and I remember one day I was talking to Kirsten. I was like, I just don't know like, how we're going to do it. Like, I worked, we got to figure this out. And she just looked at me and she said, Clint, we've been in this position before. God is going to come through. Like, we know we're doing the right thing and God is going to take care of us. He's, take care, he's taken care of us before. He'll do it again. And you know, what do you say against that? Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, like, I knew she was right. She said the, right, she said the exact truth that I needed to hear. And so I didn't stop tithing. I I kept that money where it was going, even though it was really tough for me to see that leave, you know, every month. I kept going. I stopped worrying because the Bible says, God says, bring bring your money to the storehouse and see if I don't make it overflow. You're worrying? Stop worrying. Pray more. I take care of the birds and make sure they have stuff to eat. You don't think I'm going to take care of you? Right? Like God speaks to these things. And so those verses became a shield for me. And we just kept pushing. And then about two weeks before we were supposed to move down, I was in the office and just, you know, I, it was a struggle for me personally at, at uh, where I was working. And so I was just really trying to like press forward and honor God and everything that I was doing. And I get a phone call and it's Kirsten. I pick up and she says, hey, are you sitting down? I'm like, oh no, God, I can't. I can't take it. Like we're already going through enough. Like, I I honestly thought that she had been in a car accident because I've gotten that call before, like, more than once. So (laughs) I thought something happened. She got in a fender bender or something like that. And I was like, oh, I cannot pay for any damage to a car. Like, this is not going to happen. So uh, I was like, yeah, I'm sitting down. She's like, have you looked at our bank account? I'm like, no, not the bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) And I'm also thinking, like, just tell me. Stop asking me questions. Just tell me what's going on, right? So I'm like, no, I haven't looked at the bank account. So she said, uh, you know, open it up. I'm like, good Lord, like, just tell me what's going on. So I open up the bank account and I look and there is a significant amount of more money than it is supposed to be in there. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? Like, did the bank make an error? Like, what is going on? Well, come to find out. And we got a letter from the county that they paid out Kirsten's last two months of her because essentially you're a contracted worker when you teach. And they paid her for those last two months. And we were not expecting that. We did not budget for that. I didn't know that was a thing. Apparently it is. And I honestly couldn't even say words. I just started crying on the phone. And Kirsten's like, you got to stop crying. You're going to make me cry. And I was like, I can't help it. (laughs) Because it's God's faithfulness that I depended on, that I leaned in on, that I trusted And when I did that, he showed up just like he always does. Amen. It is a shield. It protected me from those temptations to do all those things, to worry, to stress, to pull in my money, to not not trust God. And man, when he did that, when he came through, boy, did I celebrate. And I told everybody that would listen. (laughs) Like, let me tell you what God just did for me in cursed. It was amazing to see God show up like that, which leads me to the last little bit here. And that is if you are somebody who confidently wields the shield of faith, you're like, step one, check. Step two, got it. I got my shield of faith. If you are somebody who has the shield of faith, use it to help somebody else. You can use your shield of faith to help someone else. If you got somebody who is going through it, you can remind them of God's faithfulness. Hey, I know that you're struggling right now, but God is going to show up. God is faithful. He will absolutely come through for you. He will be there. He will be there right when you need him. And you can take your shield as somebody else is receiving arrows. And they're not strong enough to pick up their own shield. You can step in front of them and say, hey, don't worry about it. God's got you. He's going to come through. You can... Be a shield for somebody else. Speak to God's faithfulness and character that you have seen in your life. And by doing so, you put your shield in front of somebody else. Man, if we can learn to daily pick up our shield of faith, the rest of our armor won't get battered. When we can put our complete trust in God's faithfulness, it can radically change our lives and the lives of those around us. We can help others when they're under attack which is one of the reasons we love life groups here at Kensington. We tell everybody that they should be in a life group because what's better than a place or a group where people can lift their shields together and protect you when you can't protect yourself? Man, to be surrounded by a group of people who will lift you up um, just this week, actually, Kirsten and I are are budgeting um, like hardcore because we like really want to buy a house and we have like some goals that we have to meet before we get there. And I'm just tired of renting from somebody else, you know, I'd rather buy my own house. So we're like hardcore on the budget right now. No unnecessary stuff, right? And I was talking with somebody about this game because I wanted to get this game so I could play with some of our students. Um, and I was just like, ah, I want to get it. Maybe I'll rent it, you know, and just like do like a weekend or whatever. and uh, And... Somebody in my small group was like, don't worry, I got you, and go pick it up at Walmart tomorrow. And I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. That's one of the reasons that Life Groups is so amazing. It's, it's full of people that are going to be there for you and help you and be your shield when you can't be your own shield. I mean, just imagine a community of believers all lifting their shields in unison with the enemy's attacks just bouncing off and falling to the ground. What kind of impact could we have in the spiritual battle that's going on in our community? So this week, I want you to trust in the faithful God and take up your shield. And if you haven't stepped across that first line of faith, we're going to provide you an opportunity to do that because that's step one. If you don't have step one, you don't have a chance at picking up that shield. We want you to trust in Jesus. with your, Give him your whole life. And so I'm going to start praying here a minute, and, and you can use my words as a guide, but, but talk to God for yourself. Let him know that you want to trust him with your life, that you're willing and ready to take that step across the line of faith and believe in who he says he was and start that journey. So if you guys would, bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to start praying. God, I haven't started to trust you yet, but I want to. Lord, help me to trust you with my life. I want to step across the line of faith and follow you. God, I give you all that I have. Lord, I know that I have given in temptation, and I have sinned, and I have been going my own way. Lord, I want to turn now and go your way. Lord, be with me as I try and trust you and give you all I have. Be a shield for me. And God, for those of us who who have already taken that step, Lord, help us to trust you with everything we have. Help us to know your faithfulness through your word and through your actions in our own life experiences. Lord, as, as the enemy tries to launch attacks, God, let your faithfulness be our shield. Help us to trust when it seems difficult. God, be with us and help us to be a shield for others when they need it. God, help us to be a community of people who trust in your promises and stand on your word. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Do stand with us as we worship this morning.
2: give me faith to trust what you say
0: Trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great.
3: A faithful God. And when we put our full trust in his faithfulness and what he can do and how he can show up, it becomes a shield that protects us as temptation gets launched our way. So I pray that you guys put your trust in him, that that shield is around you all week. If you know somebody that needs a shield, step in front of them and let them use yours. Um, thank you guys so much for coming today. We hope that you have an incredible Thanksgiving week. Um, as you exit, we just ask that you do it kind of wedding style from the back down so we can do all our good you know, COVID procedures and all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week.